This is God's servant Dilip Koshikoshi. I am the pastor of Revelation Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. I pray that you will experience the power of God's word in all its richness and glory today. May your faith be revived, your mind be renewed, and your body be healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Man, good to be in the house of God with God's people. Man, and the Lord has been teaching us about honor. Say honor. Amen. Honor. And uh, we are learning the dynamics of uh, leadership and submission and how it works in the kingdom of God. Amen. I've been receiving testimonies uh, and getting to know that uh, this series has been very impactful in, uh, in some of your lives. Some of you by now want to do nothing but honor God. Man, you're seeking for every opportunity to honor God. How can I honor God? I, I, I bless you with that consuming thought. May you get up every morning with a consuming thought of how can I honor God? Hallelujah. That's, that's what our lives are made for. Our lives are made for honor. Amen. And uh, uh, anything that is uh, short of a lifestyle of honor is not pleasing unto God. Hallelujah. And I believe the Lord is stirring up the church in this time. The Lord is stirring us up to, to learn and to maintain this culture of honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, and uh, some of you are receiving this word. Very clearly I can, I can see that some of you are receiving this word. And uh, I know that this is going to benefit you and prepare you for what is ahead in your life. Amen. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that this is going to prepare you? And, and benefit you for what lies ahead of you. Man, see, listen, as a minister of God, I am not, I am not interested in the short term. As a minister of God, I am not interested in your short term. And what the Lord has put in my heart concerning the people that he has brought into the fold of this church is long term. Amen. It is long term. Man, because that, that's how Jesus ministered. He ministered, uh, it was always in the long term. The impact was in the long term. You must not come to church expecting only short-term benefits. This is a very sad um, situation that sometimes we see in the church today. That people only expect short-term benefits. They're coming to the Lord for that, that quick fix. Say quick fix. And you see, God, God can give you a quick fix, no doubt about it. But just because of a quick fix, you will not get fixed up. Man, a quick Fix cannot fix you up. So don't, don't just uh, focus on the short term. And some people are like that. But what happens if you're like that in the kingdom is you can end up messing up your long term. The saddest thing in the kingdom is when people don't understand that they are stuck. That's the saddest place to be in the kingdom. They think that everything is fine. I want you to know that just because you come to church doesn't mean that everything in your spiritual life is going well. That's one of the steps towards it, definitely. You coming to church and being a part of the service and being part of the fellowship is one of the steps towards building up and, you know, and edifying you. That is there. But God is not just about, like I said, the short term. If you're a person who, um, who thinks that everything is going well, I want you to think again. Examine yourself. The Bible constantly encourages us to examine yourself. In fact, the Bible encourages us to examine whether you are in the faith. That's heavy. 
You have to examine whether you are in the faith, whether you are truly in the faith. Maybe not a soul on this earth will know how terrible your condition is when it comes to your faith. But the Lord knows. Man, you by now 20 years in the Lord or 25 years in the Lord, you would have learned uh, a certain body language of Christians. We are talking about a book that deals with all these things. And we are talking about a book which deals with how in the last days people can creep into the church and they are like um, hidden reefs in your laufis and uh, clouds without water. And that's what the Bible is talking about. So you better watch out. Don't fool yourself. Don't deceive yourself. I mean, not even for a second think that you are absolutely fine. Don't, don't think like that. God does not want you to think like that. God wants you to be on your toes. The Holy Spirit wants you to be on your toes. The most important thing when you come to church this morning, uh, you can come any way you want actually in, in terms of your outwardly thing. You can come any way you want. God will still receive you. But the most important thing is that you maintain a posture to receive from God. You have to come open, say open and transparent. Not frigid and uh, immovable. I was talking to somebody the other day. And in this church, I was just talking to somebody. I was saying, the most important thing in your life is that you're open to God. That you're always open to God. God wants to do something in your life. If, you, if you're going to be close towards Him, then God can't do anything about it. So one way people fool themselves is when, when they think that everything is fine. Like I said, it's a sad place to be. For when we look at people and when we see that they're they're doing doing absolutely terrible, but they think that everything is fine because they kind of adapted to this mode of being in the in the church, mode of being in the kingdom, uh, by which they can fool others, and in the process they fool themselves also. This is serious. If you, any of you are feeling that you are you're like settled in the kingdom, I want you to know you're not. You're not. We are all in this journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey that lowly get over the day we see him face to face. Amen. Not a single person here can claim that I've done it all. Amen. Even Paul said, I, I press on. I press on. This is a pilgrim's progress. There's always progress in the kingdom. Always progress in the kingdom. Okay, for sure when we look at small kids, uh, you know, we, we look at them and we see that they have so much of ground to cover. It's obvious. Small kids, we know that they have so much of ground to cover and we have for them Sunday school and we have for them discipline chart and we have for them VBS and all those things. But you know that even as, as adults, we also have a long distance to cover. There's a long distance run. That's why the Bible talks about endurance. If, if it was only about speed, then the Bible would have talked about speed. But the Bible talks about endurance, perseverance. Amen? talks about testing of your faith. It talks about proving. Amen? Hallelujah. So like, like I said, God is into the long-term business. The God that we serve is into long-term business. That's why the disciples left their short-term businesses and followed Jesus who was into the long-term business. The man who left his business, that was fishing, that they left everything. Why? And at one point, Jesus asked him, don't you also want to leave me? Where can we go from here? You have words of 
Uh, you have words of long-term effect. That's what it means. Yeah, words of eternal life means you have words which has long-term effect. Everything that we have dealt with in our life is all short-term. It's about if, uh, you know, bringing food to the table. It's about feeding our children. It's about providing for our family. It's about uh, building a house maybe and this and that. But what Jesus has to offer is in the long-term. Words of eternal life. That which will make an impact in your life for all of eternity. Amen. He's into the long-term business. Amen. Hallelujah. So do not get carried away by short-term manifestos. Election comes and there are these manifestos. Don't get carried away by man's short-term manifestos. God has something to offer which no man can offer. Man, God has something to offer you which no man can offer you. If you are blinded by what man can offer you, I'm telling you, you're going to miss out big time. In the eternal perspective, your temporal pursuits can look so worthless. So worthless. All that you run for, all that you uh, put your strength into, all that you put your efforts into, all that you focus on, will all look so worthless in the light of eternity. Because none of those things can benefit you in the long term. The word of God can benefit you in the long term. Relationship with Jesus can benefit you in the long term. Amen. That's what can benefit you in the long term. Obedience to God. Some of you are so distracted. I mean, that word has been just troubling us for a while now. Distractions, distractions. You know, you have to deal with your distractions. The devil can bring in all kinds of distractions so that you can shift your focus. The, the disciples left everything. What does that mean? What does that mean when the Bible says they left everything and followed him? What does that mean? They left everything. That's what it means. When the Bible says that they left everything and followed after him, it means they left everything. They left the boat. They left the net. They left the profession. That's right. They left the company. They left the, the friendships. They left everything. Today, somehow, as Christians, we find it very difficult to digest that. Leaving everything is not something that we are comfortable with. We still want some connections. Some connections. How can we break all ties? But they left everything. In fact, they did not even store up the net anywhere. They left it. They left it. They dropped it and followed after this one man called Jesus. Hallelujah. Say long term. Say long term. So do not get carried away by short term manifestos. When it comes to evaluating your pursuits, your basic benchmark must be eternity. If you're on a pursuit, at the basic level, the, the minimum level, it must impact your eternity. If it does not, it is not worth it. Simple. How easy to live this life on this earth. If what I'm doing today, if my pursuit today, if my worry, if my worrying today it has nothing to do with eternity, then I should not worry about it at all. That's what he said. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. You worry about eternity. That's what he meant. You're worried about tomorrow. Tomorrow is like, I mean, God is there. Why are you so worried about tomorrow? But you worried whether you can be in eternity. Amen. Every person, you must break it down to this level. On a minimum level, at the most basic level, what I am pursuing right now, what I am following right now, what I am considering right now, does it have an effect on my eternity? If it has, 
go for it. If it benefits you in the eternal scale of things, go for it. If not, don't bother about it. That's called empty pursuit. It's called empty pursuit. If Jesus comes back today, everything that you pursue outside of eternity is empty. If you gain the whole world and if you yet lose the soul, what, what profit? What profit is there? You fool. You fool. If your soul is required of you today, what profit you have? After all the transactions, short-term benefits will, will not even be there. All that you thought you were gaining, the bond that you were like, you know, filling up, the banks that you were filling up, the investments that you were so closely monitoring. Every day you, you get up in the morning to see how it is doing, how your investments are doing. You're so engrossed with it. One fine day, all those things will amount to silt. Amount to silt. Some of you need to get this. Some of you are working so hard to make sure that your children will enjoy. You're storing up things. You're investing in things. You're being very wise. You want your children to enjoy the bounty of your labor. If they don't have Jesus, they can't enjoy anything. Amen. Hallelujah. If they don't have Jesus, they are not, they're not going to enjoy anything. All that you give to them, if without Jesus, is not going to benefit anybody. Amen. The favor of God is of a greater impact than anything else that you can offer your children. That's why the Bible talks about train up a child in the way he should go. If you can train up a child in the, in the ways of God, he will do well, she will do well. They'll be fine. They'll be set for eternity. When he will not depart from it even when he is old. That is long term. It's about long term. See, the Bible is always in the long term. It talks in the long term. Prophecies are in the long term. Everything is in the long term. Now we, you all are interested uh, to hear prophecies in the short term. Will I get a car today? Will I get a salary hike tomorrow? Who will I get? When will I get married? When will I get married? When will my bride come? Where will I go? All those things. It's all good. But in the long term, if it does not add up, what profit is it? So in obedience to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to continue on the same topic. I love it. And uh, last week we were so blessed. What a prophetic word we received. And Pastor Nisha was ministering to us from the life of Deborah. Say Deborah. So when, when the servant of God was ministering last week, the Lord put some things in my heart. Uh, all of you are glued to this character by the name Deborah. Very sweet. Say sweet Deborah. And I love that name. Deborah is a, is a very precious name. Deborah is here. It's a very, very sweet name. Even the short, form, short name also is very sweet. Debbie. Yeah, something about that name, very sweet name. So we were all glued to this character, Deborah. And um, everything about Deborah was so captivating. Uh, and, uh, you know, I also was there. I had to admit that I was also there. Just, just in awe of this personality in scripture, so full of uniqueness. So full of uniqueness. Oh, but another character caught my attention during the discourse of that message. Something as she was ministering, one particular thing in specific uh, just caught my attention. I'm going to go to that. But let's read from Judges chapter 4. Verse 1 on. Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazard. And the commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Haroshet Hagoyim. 
the sons of israel cried to the lord for he had 900 iron chariots and he oppressed the sons of israel severely for 20 years can you imagine being under oppression for 20 years now deborah a prophetess the wife of lapidoth was judging israel at that time she used to sit under the palm tree of deborah between rama and bethel in the hill country of ephraim and the sons of israel came up to her for judgment now she sent and summoned barak the son of abinoam and from kedesh naphtali and said to him behold the lord the god of israel has commanded go and march to mount tabor and take with you 10000 men from the sons of naphtali and from the sons of sebulun i will draw out to you sisera the commander of jabin's army with his chariots and with his uh, many troops to the river kaishan and i will give him into your hand then barak said to her if you go with me then i will go but if you will not go with me i will not go she said i will surely go with you nevertheless the honor shall not be yours on the journey that you are about to take for the lord will sell sisera into the hands of a woman then deborah arose and went with barak to kedesh barak called sebulun and naphtali together to kedesh and 10000 men went up with him deborah also went up with him amen hallelujah as much as you were captivated by deborah i want to bring your attention to this amazing character amazing amazing and i'll tell you why this person is so amazing i'm talking about barak man say barak barak the son of abnoa from kedesh naphtali yes deborah is a character worthy of attention but how can we ignore this man barak in some of your mind barak has a very low esteem he is not the the kind of example that men would want to emulate he does not uh, fit the typical notion of uh, masculine heroism if i can put it like that but what struck me the most about this person by the name barak is how can a man respond to a woman's voice and do something as crazy as taking 10000 men into the battlefield have you ever thought about it just think about it one woman spoke or summoned this character by the name barak and told him to go out into the battlefield taking another 10000 with him against whom not against any feeble army talking about against sisera's army jabin's army led by sisera who has got how many iron chariots 900 iron chariots how long have they been tormenting or oppressing the people of god for 20 long years for 20 long years nobody dared to do anything about jabin 20 long years nobody did anything about jabin 20 long years nobody raised an uh, a finger pointed a finger at sisera 
here comes a woman out of nowhere sitting under a palm tree <laughs> i wanted to picture this a woman sitting under a palm tree and just speaking that's all that she is doing no other credentials no other uh, accolades no other credibility think about this can you picture a woman sitting under a palm tree somewhere in kottayam i'm telling you we are not talking about somebody like me who's got a church who's got a microphone in his hands i'm talking about somebody who's sitting under a palm tree somewhere one woman and you must note the the point that israel never had a a woman leader in the history of israel there was never a woman leader never the closest that we had one was when miriam was around there was the closest that we had one she was a leader she was a prophetess she she was a worship leader uh, but she was still she was not the the main person she was not the head she was not the one leader there was moses above her the aaron alongside with her but we are talking about for the first time in the history of israel one woman leader sitting under a palm tree and beckoning this character by the name barak to come and go into the battlefield not just alone would have been easier for him to go alone but now he is asked to go take with him 10000 people with him 10000 men who are we talking about the men with no spears no sword men who forgot war men who has got no fight left in them they were obese they were not athletic anymore they were not uh, uh, agile anymore and this woman calls barak and says take 10000 of them of those of those people who have forgotten how to do war forgotten how to fight uh, looking round and plump take them all and go to battle against whom against sisra who's got 900 iron chariots barak obeyed the voice of a woman by the name debora who sat under some palm tree and gave a ridiculous instruction beats me i can't go beyond that i was so i was so amazed when that aspect was being mentioned from the pulpit last week i was like what barak just i mean who is debora how could he do that without doubting he followed the instructions of debora without questioning and that's what makes barak an incredible character you look at this the life and ministry of debora would have been so insignificant irrelevant or uh, it would not even have surfaced out i would say the bible would not have contained more than two lines about about debora if not for barak debora would have been a judge because god raised her up debora would have been sitting under the palm tree also vindicating or giving justice or serving justice as people come to her with uh, difficult complex uh, situations she will be sitting under the palm tree uh, saying this is right this is wrong discerning between what is right and wrong and serving justice she would have done that but what would be recorded in the bible would not be more than those two lines deborah the judge sat under the palm tree and served justice to the children of israel for 60 years nothing more than that but what became the turning point in this incredible character called deborah is the fact that when deborah summoned 
a person appeared as lightning into the scene you know what the meaning of the word barak is lightning lapido this torch light for deborah the bee or honey bee and but when when the 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 situation arose she needed a lightning to flash and appear and take up instruction and go into the battlefield hallelujah say lightning some of you are getting this lightning effect i bless you with lightning effect amen to follow the instructions of god amen hallelujah lightning he appeared as lightning so she summoned she sat under the palm tree of deborah and she summoned for barak barak appeared he did not send back the people and said who is this deborah i don't know no deborah he did not do that he responded he came he came he listened to the plan the strategy laid out by Deborah he listened to the prophetic word spoken over by Deborah he acknowledged the fact that he is he is just a man and even when she said you have to go out and do this he said i will go if you come with me i mean it is like for me i mean some of you are like hey that's cowardly i want to tell you that's not cowardly there's not cowardice there's nothing cowardly about that act because you're talking about a generation who has completely been destroyed suppressed and under the tyranny of this uh, evil wicked king by the name Jabin and his uh, evil wicked um, commander by the name Sisera tormented for 20 years they have lost all hope we're talking about a time when the highways were empty the roadways were deserted there's no trade happening all their uh, garments they were this taken off everything that they wanted to trade it was all just disappearing their food was disappearing their produce were destroyed the children were in fear can you imagine that situation the children lived in fear the the families in in those days lived in great fear the women had no hope for tomorrow the girl children were terrified not knowing when they will be kidnapped two for every man they were taken So we're talking about such a time. Don't call Barak a cowardly person. He is not. Now he just acknowledged the fact that I don't know anything about all this. But I know that you are from God. And you are sent by God. If you go with me, I'll go with you. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Because he was just saying, I know that God is with you. I don't have that kind of confidence about myself. But I know that God is with you. And if God is with you, I'm going to come with you. wherever you want me to go i'll come with you or wherever you want me to go i want you to come with me but if you want to send me somewhere don't send me alone because i want to be so sure that god is with me hallelujah we put him in a different light didn't we we thought barak was a very cowardly person he is not i want to do some pr work for for barak today Heaven has sent me to tell you that Barak is not a coward. Barak is no coward. Look at look at this. Um, <clears throat> If not for this man who appeared like lightning when Deborah summoned, the story would have been different. If not for Barak, the lightning. Barak, the lightning. Hallelujah. See, your names are prophetic. You must understand that your names are prophetic. That's why you must be careful what you call people. Being a believer, what you call 
each other is very prophetic. I told you, I mean, we even considered the fact that if you receive a person in the name of a prophet, you shall receive a prophet's reward. So how important it is for God. What you address a person is very important for God. What you call your children is very important for God. Names are significant. Hallelujah. Praise God. What makes a leader relevant is true, genuine and submitted followers. Without the followers, a leader is nothing. What makes a leader a leader is the followers. Now I would dare to even say, if not for the 12, even Jesus would not have done anything. Nobody would even have noted when the Son of Man came into this world, walked around, if not for the twelve who accompanied him, they showed the way for others to follow him. And we heard about that. A, a huge crowd always followed Jesus. You know why? Because of the twelve that always followed him. They dropped their nets and followed him. The twelve led by example to become followers. You can lead other people to be followers of Jesus. You can lead other people to be disciples. You can show by example how to be a good disciple. You can show by example how to be submitted. You can show by example how to be a person who is always receiving from God. That's what Barak did. I don't think anybody, any man would have dared. Oh, the man was so brave, I'm telling you. This man was so brave. Not a single person, not a single man would have dared to go and summon 10,000 people into battle. You think about it. One crazy woman sitting under the palm tree, asking you to go and call 10,000 with you into battle. How many of you would do it? Would you do it? Forget a woman under a palm tree. If your pastor were to ask you, will you do it? Forget the pastor also. If Jesus were to ask you to do it, will you do it? He was such a brave man. Who dared to obey the command of a leader raised by God? Which made no sense at all. How crazy can this commandment be? What kind of an instruction is that? What kind of prophecy is that? Sometimes, you know, we are like that. We evaluate the prophecy like that. It does not make any sense to me. It does not apply. It does not ring a bell with me. That's your problem. You have to ring bells. You need bells to ring in your head for a prophecy to make sense. Now I tell people when I give counsel, first you decide whether you want to see me as a person who can give you counsel or not. And then you come to me. Because if you're not going to take me for my word, then you're not going to receive anything. So sometimes we need to straighten these things. See, don't waste your time in the kingdom of God. Don't waste your time. Don't waste somebody else's time. Time is the most precious thing in the kingdom. The most precious thing. That's why the Bible teaches about redeeming the time for the days are evil. Now you lose everything else, you can somehow gain it. But if you lose time, you can't gain it. You can't gain it. You can't get it back. The most important thing. That's why you must be, you must be so sure where you are placed. You must be so certain what you're doing. Barak was so sure. He didn't waste anybody's time. He didn't waste Deborah's time. He didn't waste his own time. He didn't waste anybody else's time. When he was summoned, he responded. You know that when you don't respond, you can waste a lot of your time. Precious time. Say precious time. I don't know what you uh, deem as precious in your life. 
maybe that diamond that you've put in the locker somewhere maybe that that gold uh, i don't know how many sovereign gold necklace maybe that car of yours maybe some of those connections that you have it's so precious to you but the most precious thing that you can ever have is the time that god has given you if you lose time if you lose the time that god has placed before you that's why see the the wisest man okay maybe let's say the second wisest man because solomon is the wisest man or let's say third wisest after jesus also was a person by the name moses he prayed to god and he said teach me to number my days that i may present to your heart of wisdom i want to be mindful of the time that is given to me hallelujah don't waste time your insubordination your uh, insubmissive nature can cause you to lose a lot of time waste a lot of time like i said uh, earlier uh, the saddest place to be is when you don't know you're stuck but you're stuck i've met so many people like that they don't know that they're stuck but they're so stuck they're so stuck they're pursued with such vigor after certain things a certain direction they took a certain direction but they are stuck in life they get stuck in life because they did not heed to the voice of god they were not willing in the place where god had placed them they were not receptive they wasted time when god gave them time to change to be corrected to be molded to be mentored to be to be strengthened they wasted time so what happened after a while they got stuck hallelujah thank you jesus so what makes a leader relevant is true genuine and submitted followers even even so for jesus if if not for the 12 and their obedience to follow jesus nobody would have noticed him because god has placed in the heart of every man the drive to follow after a cause that's why we see inkalabs in the bath inkalabs in the bath in the middle of the hot summer sun and right below the hot summer sun even during this time where we are all in the air condition we are just chilling we're relaxing we see people doing all that because there is in the heart of man a drive to follow ardently follow after a cause so when when you meet with jesus is when you realize okay this is what it was about this drive that i sent this instinct in me to follow after something now i realize why it was there the 12 disciples realized when they met jesus they said follow him immediately they they left everything and they followed him you know why because they realized okay now we understand why now peter understood it very well he was such a man with such aggression he was such such passionate as full of vigor he thought why am i like this i'm i'm always sharp and and uh, on the face but when he met jesus he realized okay now i understand this is why i was made like this all 12 of them had an encounter with jesus and they all realized that's why they were made like that the drive to follow after a cause you're passionate about things for the sake of the gospel man if you replace all those things with the gospel of jesus christ then you'll realize okay now i am in my purpose that's what happened to me i was a very passionate man very passionate even as a child there are things i am i i am i'm passionate about i'll i'll pursue it passionately but when i met with jesus i realized okay all this was about this person i never knew that 
Hallelujah. Otherwise, you know what happens? You're always pursuing things with such passion, but the end of everything is meaningless. No contentment. No satisfaction. You are left empty. You are left dry after every pursuit. But when you, when you meet with Jesus and you follow after him, then your, your pursuits will become meaningful. Don't waste time on the wrong pursuits. Don't waste time on the wrong pursuits. Don't waste time following after things which are not supposed to be. Amen. Hallelujah. Follow hard after Jesus. Follow hard after Jesus. Let the things of this world grow strangely dim. Hallelujah. So God has placed in the heart of every man this drive. Barak met his purpose when he met Deborah. And he submitted to her. He submitted to her. The Pharisee in you is just troubling you so much this morning. How can a man submit to a woman? Hallelujah. How can a man submit to a woman? If not for Deborah, what would the women of today have done? Praise God for Deborah. Amen. But this man submitted. He submitted to Deborah. The twelve met their purpose when they met with Jesus and they submitted to Jesus and they followed after him. Honor and submission are not trivial matters to God. We think, oh, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? I want you to know it's a big deal for God. It's a very big deal for God. Honor and submission are not trivial matters for God. In fact, I would say that honor and submission is what binds the script of God together. It binds up the, the script of God so that he can execute his divine plan on this earth. Hallelujah. Whenever you see God in action, there was a people who submitted to an authority God has placed over them. Hallelujah. Now De Deborah would have remained just a judge all her life, sitting under a palm tree and executing justice. She would have been very good at it also. The book of Judges, like I said, would have contained her name, but it would have been restricted to just two verses. But now we have two entire chapters on this character by the name Deborah. One of the most powerful judges the nation of Israel has seen. Hallelujah. Because of the obedience and the submission of this one man called lightning. Say lightning. We're talking about Barak here. He obeyed with lightning speed. He obeyed with lightning speed. He responded to the, the command of God with lightning speed. He did not waste anybody's time. Man, look at this. Barak did not submit to Deborah because of her sweetness. He went into battle, took 10,000 other men with him. That shows he was a leader by himself, by the way. The fact that he could... Take 10,000 with him to battle shows that he was a... So he was not an ordinary guy. If 10,000 people could come when he called, that means he had leadership in him. It was a gifting in him. To face a fierce army known for their 900 iron chariots, he did not do that because he was stupid. Some of you still think that he was a little stupid. Some of you still think it was stupid of Barak to... Uh, just to respond to Deborah just like that. How could he do that? And some of you are now even troubled with the, the rest of the story that he missed the opportunity to take the honor of killing this guy. 
Sisera. I want you to know that he is not a, an ordinary man. He was not a stupid person. He was not impulsive. He was a leader. Say leader. He was full of faith. Say faith. Oh, you don't know that about him. He was full of faith. He's full of obedience. Barak was full of obedience. He was full of honor. Say honor. To the point that he could even honor a woman. Hallelujah. Men have this problem. You know, they, they, they find it very difficult to honor a woman in authority. Have you seen that? Now you can go back to your college days or school days. A lady teacher, it's very difficult to give them honor as boys. There is something in our head that does not allow us to submit to her. Being a man, he was well aware of the military strength of Sisera. Even more than Deborah. Deborah being a woman, I would say, probably would not have been so aware of how terrible it is to go out into battle against Sisera. With, when Last week also when she was ministering, she said, I don't know about all these weapons and all. She's a woman. She can't understand. Maybe let's, let's call Binoy, for example. You talk to him about a few things like this, technology. He will speak up because he knows some things about. That's how men are. We do, you're excited about guns and bombs and missiles and all. The news about ammunition catches our attention. So I would say that this guy Barak was even more acquainted or well-versed with the how terrifying this army is even more than Deborah. But in spite of that, when Deborah summoned him and asked him to go out into battle, he said, yes, I will go if you come with me. You know why he did that? Because he never doubted the word of the Lord which came through Deborah. That's why. That's where the key is. The key is in recognizing your leader as your leader placed by God and in knowing that what he or she tells you is a word from God and not doubting it. You need to receive prophecies lightning speed. Now some of you hear a lot of prophecies but you don't even know a thing. You know why? Because you have received it quickly and left it quickly also. As much as we would like to laugh at it, I would say it's a dangerous place to be. It is a very dangerous place to be. I know it is a dangerous place to be. If you can't remember what God has spoken to you through men of God, through servants of God, you are not dishonoring the servant of God. In dishonoring the servant of God, you are despising the spirit of prophecy. But this is the truth of the matter. This is the truth of the matter. You don't respond to a word of prophecy. It's your big miss. In the process, you dishonored God. In the process, you dishonored God. Look at this man. Lightning. You must well understand the context. Peasantry has ceased. Village life has ceased. Highways were deserted. There was no normalcy in the land. When God raised up Deborah. No normalcy. Heroism was unheard of. Heroism was? There's no heroes in the land anymore. There are no machos in the land anymore. How can a man go up against the very army which the whole land dreaded for 20 years? You tell me. You tell me. You tell me. You give me, you give me an explanation. How can an ordinary man go up against an army which the whole land dreaded for 20 long years? Nobody can explain it. The only explanation is this. 
the only explanation is this he trusted the word of god that's all that's it 100% no doubt at all 100% okay if if that is what you say i believe it parak recognized deborah as a true woman of god i'll tell you what it did to him it will blow your minds i'll tell you what it did to him it will blow your minds you know some of you are stuck in ordinary situations because you can't recognize the anointing of god you are swayed by names you are swayed by popularity but you are not swayed by anointing you are swayed by popularity you are swayed by the looks you are swayed by uh, the names that's you are swayed by the manoramas and the the times of india's than the anointing of god there's upon a person you can't recognize the anointing of god i mean what use is what use what use if you can't recognize the anointing what use with your life hallelujah now last week after the word uh, somebody was asking as why would why would anybody not submit to the ministers of god why 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 i mean why would that somebody would not submit to the anointing is such a situation even possible i was trying to explain yes it is possible you know why because submission can happen only say only you cannot submit you cannot submit unless you see benefit you cannot submit unless you see benefit unless you value it exactly unless you value it unless you see there is some value in my submission it is going to be it is going to be good for me see why would i submit to a man why would i do that only if i know that i'm going to be blessed by it only if i know it's going to be beneficial for me the reason why some of you struggle in submission is because of this you don't see value in that you think you can make it on your own you think that um, okay few more years and then somebody will come and do the get the job done but barak was not like that he submitted knowing that there is a benefit to this not just for himself but for my entire people my entire generation he wanted that to to be visible so he said i'm i'm willing to submit you are deborah you are the prophetess you are the leader you are the mother to israel i'm going to submit to you as a son and i'm going to do what exactly you're going to say the way he responded it was like he was waiting all his life for such a person to just arise and come into the scene he responded the moment he heard this woman has called him to do something and we are all waiting to see deborahs in our generation i would say where are the baraks in our generation i challenge you where are the baraks in our generation where are the baraks in our church you all want to be deborahs in the church but have you started can you start by becoming baraks in the church you all want to be like elijah but can you start by becoming the elisha who poured water into the hands of elijah the prophet you all want to be like moses but can you start where joshua started joshua started by like, like this he was a help to moses like an assistant to moses the principle follows in the new testament also 
all the twelve disciples were like followers. They did odd jobs for Jesus. When he told them, "Go get the donkey," we are reflecting on the triumphal entry also. When he told them, "Go get the donkey," they went and got the the donkey and the colt. Without asking questions, when he told them, "Go feed them," they went and fed them. When he said them, "Make them sit down," they make them sit down. Hallelujah! Say Barak, say lightning, say I want to be Barak. It's a good thing, by the way. It's a good thing to be a Barak. Hallelujah! That's right. He was a mighty, valiant warrior. That's what he was. No, if you are in the flesh, you cannot submit. Because submission is a matter which has to be spiritually appraised. This has to be spiritually appraised. The the benefits of it, the the goodness of it, the blessings of it. You must understand it spiritually. If you're going to see in the flesh, you will not be able to submit. The resistance to submit is the resistance of the flesh. Simple as that. In all my years of being a believer, I've realized this: a resistance to submit is a resistance by the flesh, because a person in the spirit will willingly submit. A sign of spiritual maturity. Uh, your spiritual maturity can be analyzed by the way you give. Submission is giving, giving yourself wholly. That is that is submission. The sign of your spiritual maturity. The church must learn these things. See, you can come to church and fool everybody, fool yourself also. I mean, nobody will have a complaint. Also, the pastor will not complain. Others will not complain. Your dad, mom, your brother, sister, your husband, your wife may not complain about this. But God has a complaint against you. You have not submitted. I have this against you. It's a matter of first law, by the way. Submission to the church is a matter of first law. You are repeatedly hearing this because God wants to deal with your flesh. So Deborah summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, and he heeded to her. All that he insisted on was this: If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And some of us hold that against his reputation. What a coward you will say! But Deborah said, "I will go with you, but the honor of subduing the army shall go to a woman." But look at this: Barak had no problems with that. He had no problems with him not getting the honor. What mattered to him was giving honor, not getting honor. See, Barak was not interested in. in getting the honor when 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 deborah said yeah i'll come with you but the only problem is if i come with you the honor of having subdued this army will not come to you it'll go to a woman is it okay no problem i'm not worried about honor receiving honor i'm here to submit to you you're my mother i submit to you you tell me what to do i will do it for you but i want you to be with me because i don't have the confidence He's being very open, very frank. Also, be open to your leaders. Be frank with your leaders. Don't try to put on. Don't try to put on a. I know it all. I am like this. I have learned that. Even without you, I can make it. See, that's your problem. But Barak didn't want to show that. Barak said, "No, I can't do this on my own. I want your help. I want your company. I want your real-time presence with me, and guide me through this." Hallelujah. 
some of you feel that you have outgrown the the principles of god don't outgrow the principles of god hallelujah thank you jesus I said okay no problem i don't want any honor but i'm going to come with you i want you to just come with me you speak i'll fight you speak i'll fight you are the prophetess you are the prophetess you speak things will happen when you speak but it will be as you say it will be as you say i believe things are going to happen i believe the lord will send stars from heaven i believe angels will support me i believe the river will sweep them away i will exactly believe what you say but i want you to just come with me and stand by me because i am your son you my mother hallelujah some of you feel is is very uh, awkward uh, to to trouble your leaders and comes to matters concerning life i've been a believer for 20 odd years even today if i'm perplexed about something i'll take it to my spiritual father i may be pastoring a church of 60 70 people but even now i don't have i'm not ashamed to admit this i have a covering to whom i will go i respect that i honor that i stand under that i will never outgrow that so principle of god i cannot outgrow the principles of god some of you feel that you have outgrown the principles of god god wants to correct you today you if you feel that you have outgrown the principles of god you will get stuck you will not be a barak but you will be an obscure fat uh, good for nothing not good for anything um fr- fruitless unworthy forgotten to fight forgotten to war kind of a person but if you can recognize the anointing if you can honor if you can understand submission the principles of god and how good it is for you to be submitted to god i'm telling you the lord will the lord will change your destiny he will change your destiny hallelujah thank you jesus he did not want to try out anything on his own he acknowledged that his ability to hear from god was not so great he recognized that god was with deborah he knew it well that he was willing to do anything she said as long as she went with him and the fierce army did not matter to him hallelujah see listen barak may not impress much people who read the account of deborah because he does not like i said he does not fit fit the typical a uh, notion of a hero because to begin with he was a man who submitted to a woman leader secondly he sought no honor for himself in the bargain lastly it seemed like he lost the opportunity to be the hero of the war that too he lost to another woman by the name jael look at the look at the i mean these are things that we hold against his personality we think is such a feeble man submitted to woman never sought honor for himself what kind of man are you you don't seek any honor for yourself for all the hard work that you do for all the labor that you do for the for the obedience that you shown don't you want any honor he said no number 3 the time when he could have actually been the hero of the war he decided to it's okay 
he lost the opportunity because another woman another woman not even a warrior woman just an ordinary woman hallelujah but for certain heaven is truly pleased with this man the holy spirit noted his submission the holy spirit noted his obedience to deborah look at this listen to this okay i'm coming to what i want you to understand nowhere else in the bible is it mentioned about deborah especially in the new testament nowhere else in the bible is it mentioned about jael turn to hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32 the hall of faith and what more shall i say who is saying this the writer of the hebrews saying what more shall i say for time will fail me so he's talking about something that he can't even contain in time time will fail me if i tell of say gideon who is gideon who is gideon say judge okay mighty man of valor gideon judge leave the next name we'll come back to that who is samson who is gideon who is samson who is jephtha judge is a judge and then of david who is david say king who is samuel aha and the prophets read it one more time time will fail me if i tell of gideon barak samson jephtha of david and samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms performed acts of righteousness obtained promises shut the mouths of lions quenched the power of fire escaped the edge of the sword from weakness were made strong became mighty in war put foreign armies to flight who's this barak you didn't like barak right you were not impressed by this character you thought so so little about him you had low esteem about this character how dare he went by what a woman commanded how dare he submitted to a woman leader how dare he decide to relinquish honor how could he give up the opportunity to become the hero of the battle look what god did for him come to the new testament in the book of hebrews what we know as the hall of faith hallelujah among the judges deborah is not mentioned among the judges jael is not mentioned among the judges and the king and the prophet and the prophets one name is mentioned by the name barak you know why say obedience say submission say honor the lord is teaching you the benefits of obedience submission and honor so that you can obey submit and honor when you submit to greatness you get named along with the greats that's what the disciples proved to us they submitted to greatness so what happened they got named along with the greats the secular world knows who peter is the secular world knows who john is the secular world knows who thomas is 
You know why? Because they submitted and honored the anointing. Man. Hallelujah. When a person submits to a minister of God, he is submitting to God. When a person honors a minister of God, he is honoring God. Now you cannot circumvent this truth. Now many of us like, do not like to acknowledge this, but this is the principle of God. You cannot reach your future, oh, listen to this, you cannot reach your future by bypassing the grace of God. You want to reach your future? You want to reach your destiny? You cannot do so by bypassing the grace of God. The grace of God is extended to you. How? By way of leadership, by way of authority, by way of ministers of the gospel. God has not called you to be a silo in the kingdom. This is, this is an order. God is a God of order. I mean, we can question, how, how come he selected Deborah? How come he appointed Deborah? What was Deborah's qualification? Who is she? What's her lineage? What are her qualifications? We can have questions about her. Isn't she a woman? I mean, have you ever seen a woman in history like that? We can have all kinds of questions about Deborah. But when God raises up a, a leader, he's a leader or she's a leader. No questions asked. No questions asked. Amen? With all the imperfections, with all the, the, the flaws, that person is still a leader. Amen? Hallelujah. And then... When you, when you understand, when you look at the leadership of God or the authority of God and the, um, the fatherhood of God and you submit to that, that brings benefits, blessings. Amen? You will be counted among the greats. Hallelujah. Uh, see, Moses was the hand of God. Look at the say hand of God. Moses was the hand of God. How many of you believe that? How many of you know that Moses was the hand of God? When Moses stretched, when Moses stretched his hand, the road, when he stretched it out, miracles took place. Water parted. So his was the hand of God. You know that Moses was the hand of God? Deborah was the hand of God. Paul was the hand of God. Godly leaders are given as God's outstretched arm for the good of his people. So that's why in the, in the New Testament, we come across humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. What does that mean? Can you see the hand of God physically? Then how can you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God? That he may exalt you in due time. What is the Bible talking about? Can you see the hand of God? Can you see the, the fingers of God? Maybe in visions you can see. But otherwise, can you see the hand of God? So when the Bible instructs us to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, it is referring to whom God has placed over your life. When you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, God's order, God's structure, the Moseses, the Deborahs, the Davids, the Elijahs, the Joshuas, the Pauls, the Peters, when you do that, when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, Whenever you see the, the hand of God was with the apostles. The hand of God was with the apostles. So when you see the apostles, you can see the hand of God. You can see the hand of God in the ministers of God. When they move in power, it's the hand of God. Joshua submitted to Moses and was exalted by God as a leader. 
Barak submitted to Deborah and was used by God as a Timothy submitted to Paul and was raised by God as a say leader. God wants you to be a leader. God wants you to be a leader. But you can't be a leader without becoming a follower, a disciple. Yeah? You can't become a leader unless you become a follower. Thank you Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's turn to John chapter 12. Let's look at the triumphal entry. Amen. Say triumphal entry. Why did the triumphal entry take place? See, the triumphal entry has nothing to do with the people or the crowd or the place or anything of that sort. The triumphal entry is only because of one thing. What is that? Prophetic fulfillment. Amen. It is only about prophetic fulfillment. It is not because the people honor Jesus with all their heart. Now we think of oh, what kind of honor he he received. You want to know that there was just a short-lived honor, very short-lived. But they had no other choice. You know why? Because the prophetic word was to be fulfilled. So it doesn't matter whether people are willing or not. If there's a prophecy over your life, everything will come into alignment. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. It doesn't matter whether all the people, uh, you know, uh, in, in Bethany and Bethphage were, uh, you know, all good disciples of Jesus. It didn't really matter. What mattered was the fact that there was a prophetic fulfillment which has to take place. Multiple prophecies. When you study the prophecies of Daniel, we see that this triumphal entry was fulfilled to the day. Some of you didn't know that. Do you know that? The pro- the triumphal entry was prophetically foreseen by Daniel. And if you count the number of days according to the, the, the prophecy that he made, it will land exactly on the day in which Jesus entered Jerusalem with the triumphal entry. Exact number of days. You had to bring into consideration the, the, the lunar year, 360 days and uh, all those things. If you put all these things together, the exact, I'm talking about the 70 week prophecy. Yeah, the 62 plus the 7. Yeah, and the last week. So the last week we are yet to see. But the, the 69 weeks have already been already behind us. Okay, so this happened on the exact day which Daniel prophesied. How many of you knew that? Hallelujah. So everything that took place on that day was prophetic fulfillment. You know, but we think it was about, okay, it was because people learned to worship God. You have to understand that everything that took place was for the sake of the fulfillment of the prophecy. It has nothing to do with the people. Whether people were ready, whether people were um, you know, in the heart of worship or not, didn't really matter. What mattered was the prophecy was made. Amen? So that's, that's what we see in the triumphal entry. Hallelujah. This is John chapter 12, verse 12 onwards. On the next day, the great multitude who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took the branches of the palm trees, went out to meet him and began to cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold your king comes sitting on a donkey's colt. These things his disciples did not understand at the first. 
But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him, that they had done these things to him. And so the multitude who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb. Look at this. I want you to pay attention. So the multitude who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, were bearing with him witness. So who are bearing witness? Which crowd? Those who saw Lazarus being raised from the dead. Okay. So they were bearing witness of Jesus. Verse 18, for this cause also the multitude went and for which cause? For which cause? The, the resurrection of Lazarus. For this cause also the multitude went and met him because they heard, say they heard, that he had performed a sign. Amen. So the people who, who came out to celebrate the entry of Jesus, they came because of one man by the name? Lazarus. Most of them who were there, they came because they, they were witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus or they heard about the resurrection of Lazarus. They had nothing to do with personal relationship with Jesus. Are you with me? See, we're going, going to the, the, the Lord's table now and I want you to understand, unless you apply this to your personal life, unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus, this does not make any sense to you. Barak took it personally. When Deborah instructed him, it was a personal thing for him. It was not because, okay, for the sake of Israel, I'm going to do this. No, it was something that he took personally. Say personally. Amen. See, that's why you want to honor God. You, you must have something personal with God. You must receive personally from God. It must, it must not be based on somebody else's. Because your dad received a healing when you were three years old. I am still serving God. What about you? You are 40 now. Have you received anything from God? Have you received anything from God? Can you boast of things that God has done for you? Is it because of Lazarus that you are worshipping God? Is it because you heard about Lazarus that you are worshipping God? You must worship God because you have a personal encounter with God. Amen. Hallelujah. See, we are, we are, we are, it's all connected. We are learning about honor. We are learning about submission. We are learning about leadership. Everything is personal. Amen. The, I, I would say the greatest distraction that Barak would have had on that day when he decided to go out into battle because of Deborah's voice was other men of his age, other peers who would have questioned what kind of a person are you? What kind of a person are you? Your peers can distract you. That's one of the reasons I, I tell you to like, you know, don't, don't, don't always stick to your peers, especially when you sit in church. You, you try to sit, you know, far away from each other. Because the greatest distraction in your life when it comes to receiving anything from God can be peers. Greatest encouragement can also be peers. So if you're not an encourager, don't go and sit with your peers. You can be a distraction in their life. I'm sure that Barak would have received this kind of counsel. You're doing all this. What kind of a man are you? Don't do this. You're stupid. You're talking about Sisera's army. But he had a personal revelation of who this leader is. This is Deborah. She's my mother. My mother. The mother of Israel is my mother. 
I'm going to I'm going to be an obedient son. I'm going to respect her for who she is. Otherwise you will be like those people who waved the palm trees on that day. Most of them had no clue who Jesus was. But God was still allowing it to happen. You know why? Because of the prophetic fulfillment. It had to happen. Word to word, day to day, it had to happen on that specific day itself. Nobody had a choice. That's why when when they untied the colt uh, uh, the the only instruction that you said is don't give a big discourse or anything if somebody asks you why you are untying the colt just tell them the master has need of them okay what is that as prophet say prophetic see prophetic does not need so many words prophetic just needs a maybe a word an action a phrase yeah you don't need to speak in a, in a lengthy discourse or anything so when they they stopped them prevented them from untying the colt Uh, why are you doing this they said because the master has need of them they didn't ask which master who is your master where is he from what are his credentials what are you all doing why do you need the colt none of those questions mattered because there is a prophecy already not one prophecy multiple prophecies about the same incident about the same donkey the same colt was prophesied by the spirit of god you you're not seeing anything because you're not speaking in line with prophecies and you're blaming the prophet for no no fulfillment pulli onnu varalum nadakkathilla pulli onnu varalum nadakkathilla kaaranam you're not agreeing to it when you agree to it and do things accordingly and speak things accordingly everything will come to pass everything that is a rule of god amen he will not allow the words of the prophecy will to fall to the ground you received word things must happen things should happen will happen only if you respond make it personal like how barak made it very personal she summoned deborah summoned and said if you go the lord will do this okay i'm going to do it why he made it very personal he did not send somebody else yan varunilla vera ala vidam no it's my prophecy it's about me it's about me and god i'm going to do it you understand hallelujah So on the triumphal entry, there are lessons to learn on the day of the triumphal entry. They all worshipped. They took the, the, the palm leaves and they spread the clothes. Most of them did it because they saw this Lazarus walk out of the tomb. So Jesus was this demi-god. This miracle worker. The Bible very clearly says that. And so the multitude who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, and raised him from the dead were bearing him witness for this cause also the multitude went and met him because they heard that he had performed this sign and then look at this the pharisees therefore said to one another you see that you are not doing any good look the world has gone after him even the pharisees were were, were not impressed by this you can have all kind listen to this you can you can have all kinds of distractions when you want to honor god expect all kinds of distractions when you want to all kinds of distractions there will be people who are in disagreement your reverence unto god there are people who will be not not willing to uh, appreciate what you have to offer unto god there will be people who will be, who will be evaluating your worship you know that there are people who can evaluate your worship they'll stand next to you and say oh nee angana ka paadu nee ingana ka cheyyanadena why are you doing all that nee ezhundirikkonum venda the the biggest threat to a person maintaining honor 
are the, the peer circle, the circle of peers, the biggest threat. The place where honor gets drained out from a person is in a circle of peers, the seat of scoffers. You find three people who can talk nonsense and hang out with them, gone. Your spirituality will fly out of the window. You might be a great worship leader. You just worshipped, uh, led the people into an amazing time of worship. You step out and you are with a, a bunch of clowns. I'm telling you, the ability to honor God is getting drained. Somebody has to receive this word. Hallelujah. You have to be very careful. No, you cannot be in the presence of God and speak any way you want. You cannot, you cannot be a person who seeks to honor God and speak any way you want. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. I mean, see, some of these people who worship God, the very next day or the, in a few days down the line, they are the ones who said, crucify him. They agreed to the crucifixion of Jesus. They agreed to that. They agreed to the, the sufferings of Jesus. They agreed to that. The same people who, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, all those things they sang and all, but gave it a few more days, no honor. Because the honor was specked to one miracle that they heard somebody else received. If your relationship with God is specked to somebody else's experience, you're not going to maintain that. If your relationship with God is based on somebody else's relationship, that's why I tell young children, you must have your own relationship with Jesus. Not because your parents are worshipping. Not because your parents want to come to church. You must ask your children. Do you want to go to church? And sometimes Nisha has that question. Do you want to come, to come to church? If you don't want, don't come. But we'll deal with them. That's a different thing. But there's a choice is there. Do you want to come to church? If you want to come to church, get up now. Otherwise, not, we're not going to take you to church. Now they have to decide whether they want to come or not. Because at the end of the day, we all stand one-on-one. One-on-one with our master, with our savior. Amen. You don't get to stand with your husband who was a very prayerful man. You don't get to stand with your wife who was a very pious, very uh, righteous person. You don't get to stand with your parents who were like ministers of God. You don't get to stand with your children who were serving the Lord. On that day, you have to stand one-on-one. One-on-one with Jesus. Amen. We like the, you know, there, is, there is something called as a mob uh, mentality or crowd mentality. There's no Individual opinion. The opinion of the crowd, the majority becomes the, the collective opinion becomes individual opinion. That's what happened on that day. That day, there was a, a worship mindset. A few days down the line, there was a crucifixion mindset. Are you getting this? Hallelujah. But may your spirituality be not affected by mob mentality or crowd mentality. Amen. May you be able to serve God with a crowd, without a crowd. May, may you be able to worship God just the way you worship God, whether you are alone or in front of hundreds of people. Some people can't. No, there's, no, there's no crowd, there's no, there's no vibe. The vibe is not this, the vibe is... Amen. If you have this vibe, you can worship all the time. But if, if this is the vibe that you are looking at, then you're not worshipping God, you're worshipping people. Or you're receiving their worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So the triumphal entry should teach you a few things. 
it must teach you how to honor God. Not to be swayed by, yeah, it's good. It's good when there's a crowd. But when all the, the crowd will leave, all of them will leave one by one, will you still stand worshiping God? There's one man who did that. When everybody went back to their tents, there's one man who still stood at the entrance of the tent and worshiped God. Joshua. He was a leader. The secrets of leadership. Man, whether the crowd is with me or not, whether the band is here or not, you still will worship. Amen. Hallelujah. With music, without music, I can still? Can you do that? Hallelujah. Some people, some people choose uh, churches based on how good the band is. How good the, the band is. The band will be very good. But that's all what you'll get. A band. Praise God we have a band. Man. We appreciate them. Every single one of them. They're anointed. They're anointed. They are called for this. They are handpicked by God. And my prayer for them, every single one of them is that they stay this way. They only grow in this. They only understand their calling. They only explore the depths of God as the days go by. Hallelujah. We don't despise what God has given us. But at the end of the day, it is not about the crowd. It's not about the mob. It's not about any of these things. When you stand alone, one-on-one, it's not about Lazarus. Amen. It's not about Lazarus. It's about you and God. You must get angry of those things which irritate you when you're worshipping God. You must be so pissed off by those things. Anything that troubles you in the midst of worship, and I get so I get so irritated. So irritated when when worship is going on and when something is not aligning with worship, I get so irritated. The most irritating feeling you can get is when. I am disturbed in worship. And I don't like to be disturbed in worship. You must be like that. You must not irritate others in worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. So when you come to church, you better have reason to worship God. Not because Lazarus, your neighbor, was raised from the dead. Yeah, the, the, the neighbor is raised from the dead. His sisters are also doing well. Martha is doing good. Mary is preaching the gospel also. And man, she's a good worshiper. She poured out the oil, anointed the feet of Jesus and all. They did all that. But what about you? Man, hallelujah. Hello, this is Nishad Dilipkoshi. I'm sure this podcast has blessed you. Do subscribe to our channel for more messages and follow us on social media to stay connected. May God bless you.